वेलकम टू सिंह टॉक सिंह टॉक इज अराउंड द टेबल टूडे डिस्कस द डिस्क्रीट एंड कंटिन्यूस विल थिंक अबाउट द नोशंस ऑफ डिस्क्रीटनेस एंड कंटिन्यूटी वाइल वंडरिंग वेदर दीज आर रिलेटेड और ऑटोनोमस वॉट इज द कंटिन्यूम कंपोज ऑफ what does and does not have discrete parts are integers discrete and real numbers continuous is there a way of getting from numbers to magnitude and vice versa why does fourier transform work and what does it imply are all real life signals and natural processes continuous can the sense of touch be discretized Do these questions mean anything to a formal logician? And what is the long-term future of the tussle between these notions? We are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today. Professor Mihir Chakraborty. He works on non-standard logics, fuzzy sets and rough sets. He retired from the Department of Pure Mathematics in University of Calcutta. Professor Kiran Eskedlaya is a professor in Department of Mathematics at University of California, San Diego. His research areas are number theory and algebraic geometry. And Professor D Manjunath is from the Electrical Engineering Department in IIT Bombay. So Mehirda why don't we set the ball rolling with you uh, in a somewhat general somewhat abstract place of uh, just trying to understand what reality is and if if one tries to get it in one shot um obviously this question that's bothered some people over the years over the centuries is reality discrete or continuous or is this a nonsensical question uh, where how does one come at it and maybe we'll open a few flanks and then see uh, where kiran and manjunath can come in in fact i think uh, uh, it's better if i uh, start with uh, if i answer your question mm. um, from the angle of ancient indian um, knowledge system mm-hmm. for example nagarjuna right generally when we uh, talk about um, or think about uh, continuous we have in our um, mind uh space and time right generally right and by discrete we have too many things around us right now nagarjuna talked about kal that means time and in his opinion kal is a creation of mind mm-hmm. why he analyzes the color cannot be independent it is always related to objects so objects means events in this case so color so events precede time or w- w- what do you mean no they uh, nagarjuna will say objects not events mm mm-hmm. 
So even but you mean objects in a non-spatial sense. You mean as entities. Mm, as entities, definitely as entities. But you know, ultimately, Nagarjuna will say that objects are essenceless. That is the Buddhist position. That mm-hmm. means, though although Kala is. Uh, understood only in terms of objects but objects being essenceless color becomes essenceless this is nagarjuna's argument and and the, just so that one gets the sense right what do you mean by essenceless essenceless uh, means contentless mhm mhm it is a creation of mind mhm so it's purely ideal purely ideal that was nagarjuna's position right I just wanted to ask whether uh, this is similar to what the Western philosophers would consider a platonic object. It's something that is sort of an ideal uh, object that doesn't exist, but is defined by some characteristics. No, I think not. Mm. It will be different some from from platonic uh, world. Okay, definitely. But I would also like to say the other school, Naya Vaisheshika school of. uh indian knowledge system they considered kala and uh, sthana that is uh time and uh, space as objects which are they call it dravya substance dravya no dravya is uh, yeah dravya is substance padartha is category sure so dravya they will call it nitya dravya so this is this is um, you know we have to be careful about how we do this but are these more atomistic entities which then comprise so objects make space and no, events no, make time no, or what's no, happening no they here? will they will this naya vaisheshika school will consider two kinds of objects two mm-hmm. kinds of dravyas mm-hmm. one which are eternal nitya mm-hmm. and the other which are anitta which are non internal the non internal things will be will be uh, uh, constructed out of other entities smaller entities on the other hand nitta that means the eternal objects they will not be created neither be destroyed and they will always be okay in a sense uh uh continuous but, but the moment way. you bring in the notion of eternal or eternity or yeah. permanence or yeah. something to that effect yeah. and yeah. again all these notions being used a little vaguely you bring in the notion of time already don't you uh you bring in the notion of change you bring in the notion of time the naya vaisheshika school will will recognize time hmm. but not the um, buddhists hmm. so so i am talking about naya vaisheshika school now sure they will recognize time they will recognize time as an eternal thing eternal object and non divisible so you think of the notion of time at all kiran um uh, what i mean from a from a from a standpoint of pure mathematics um does the and we'll get to the notion of space hopefully that area is richer and somewhat more comprehensible but can one grasp the notion of time similarly or it, it would be entangled with i mean 
mathematics doesn't itself come with a concept of time. Mathematics, in principle, uses uh, the is supposed to exist uh, as something outside of space and time. And uh, you know, you can model time. For instance, you can uh, consider the model of general relativity, where space and time are considered to be three plus one dimensions in some kind of four-dimensional object and and smaller objects propagate through space-time by tracing paths. But that's all within mathematics. Mathematics itself doesn't uh, have a notion of before or after. Mathematics is supposed to all exist somehow simultaneously. That's fine. But when one thinks of this notion of continuity or discreteness, um, does, do, you, do you think that one leads to the other or is some kind of a loop between the two? Um, I would characterize it as some sort of duality between the two. There are discrete objects like numbers, integers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are continuous objects like real numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, and they both exist and they, they interact with each other. And mathematics plays off the differences between them uh, in subtle ways. And are there, are there, are there again, subtle or non-subtle ways in which integers are different from real numbers in very fundamental ways? Of course, we, you already made the distinction between one being discrete and the other being somewhat continuous. I but mean, the, the, the basic property that characterizes, say, the positive integers is what mathematicians call the well-ordering property, which is mm -hmm. that if you take a non-empty set of positive integers, there will always be a smallest Element. So if you take the prime numbers, then two will be the, the smallest. If you take uh, you know, all the numbers that have a first digit starting in seven, then seven will be the, the first one. So right. uh, whereas real numbers, there is no smallest real number that is strictly greater than the square root of two, for instance, because you can right. always, There'll always be go halfway between. between when you have and, and the square root of two itself. Uh, and so there are sequences that 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 uh, that converge to some other number, and this can't happen with integers. That's that's what discreteness really uh, means in the context of integers. And when we say continuity in the context of real numbers, um, are we implying a certain notion of granularity, or it's continuous as in truly continuous with no gaps? Yeah. So continuity for the real numbers is because metro I'll tell you where that, I'm coming from. The thing is that the moment one thinks of it in totally continuous terms and, and just, just pardon the super laymanish approach to this, it somehow doesn't feel like a number, if you know what I mean. Um, that there's something very discreet about the whole notion of a number, however small or granular it might be. So I think it's the granularity question. Uh, yeah, this I mean? is a, an interesting philosophical point. Uh, a real number, according to this definition of, uh, say, uh, uh, an infinite uh, decimal expansion or, yeah. or some other... Uh, definition. Uh, this is not something you can ever exactly specify. Uh, you can, uh, except for a few special ones like integers or certain other numbers that have an alternate description like the square root of 2 or pi. Right. Um, but a general real number is not something uh, we can get our hands on. In some sense, the numbers that we can actually get our hands on are some uh, very, very thin uh, subset among the the real numbers. So the real yeah, numbers the exist as some sort of continuum, but we don't have access to most of the continuum. We have access to only some, uh, not quite discrete, but some limited, uh, I guess I would say countable uh, number of 
uh, of of real numbers. Which is an interesting point, right? Because the moment one and you brought in the notion of counting, it looks like real numbers can't be counted, and 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 integers, at least in some kind of a close, it can be. Well, you can you can talk about the cardinality of the set of real numbers, but but this analysis goes back to Cantor. Uh, in the in the 19th century, that there's a genuine distinction between the cardinality of the set of integers and mm. the cardinality of the set of real numbers, even though both of them are infinite sets, mm. um, as opposed to the cardinality of the set of integers versus the cardinality of the set of even integers or the set of positive integers. Those are all the same because you can define one-to-one correspondences between all integers and say, non-negative integers or positive integers. Yeah, again, there's only different kinds of infinity. Yeah, there are different different degrees of infinity, and the real numbers are a larger infinity than than the integers are. So I, I just want to yeah. ask a question to you on in this, in this regard. So, I mean, sort of, as engineers, we usually assume integers to correspond to discrete and real to correspond to continuous or analog signals, and the other is digital signals. So one of the things that has always bothered me or intrigued me is this notion of... A, and God made integers. This so is, this is Stephen Hawking. This is uh, no, th- that's the title Kronecker, of the book. But the origin, it, it, I think the, the the quotation comes from Kronecker. Now, what exactly was going on there? I mean, do you have any <laughs> sense of of? I mean, yeah. from what I can see, the so, measure. So the, now, now Kiran is testifying for God. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just testifying for Kronecker. Kronecker, okay. Uh, yeah, so sure. I think what Kronecker meant is that the the integers um, sort of exist as things that we can see because we can see there are five bottles five of water bottles on the table. Five bottles of water, two tables. Um, so integers are something that are present in the world and all other ma- levels of mathematical abstraction are things we have to construct and define. So real numbers are something we have to come up with a formal definition for. What are the real numbers of? Like what? Uh, so we've already made some kind of a dissociation between counting and real numbers, but... Um, well, I guess in in uh, one, so one way to look at this is to look at uh, how things were handled at the time of Euclid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Euclid, there's a distinction between uh, numbers and uh, distances. Right. So distances um, are continuous quantities. They can uh, be vary. from anywhere from one mile to two miles. All yeah, the points and anywhere in between. Right. Uh, whereas integers uh, were quantities that you could measure discreetly, and integers or rational numbers, hence, uh, but, but as their in, name implies, would arrive from ra- ratios between distances. God also made distances, so why <laughs> weren't they real numbers? I mean, where did that, where did real numbers get away from God? I think Mihir has, has, <laughs> yeah, has the answer to this. At this point, really, I, 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 I want to make some point. Uh, generally, uh, real numbers are considered to be sort of continuous, as you have said. But you see uh, the Dedekind construction. Mm-hmm. That's purely discrete construction. What did Dedekind do? Uh, he just took partitions. He started with uh, integers, right. first of all. Then from integers, you take these quotient sets, you get the rationals. Then from rationals, you take partitions. So you can make all kinds of numbers up starting from integers. Yeah. All reals. And reals are nothing but pairs, uh, I mean, pairs of sets of rationals. Right. Quite discrete. Does this bother you in your in, 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 in your work at a non-intellectual mm. level as well? Or no, it doesn't bother the me. Circuits, the circuits do all right with no, respect to... Yeah, we're fine. I mean, it doesn't bother me, most of, mostly because 
uh, or bother us in, in some sense because we discretize most. Today, much of what we do in technology is sort of you discretize and then and and then compute. I mean, essentially that's what happens. I think the question in a way, Manjunath, is that mm. how much of the discretization process is arbitrary and conventional versus, um, you know, there being something more fundamental at work here? At, 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 the, at the level of technology, there is definitely, it is not arbitrary mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, you have, you, t- you typically take the notion of a signal, you say how much bandwidth this particular signal has, and then you discretize both in space and time. Uh, signal signal you typically represent as functions of time so you 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 discretize time that means you sample it at, sample it at uh, sample different points in time and there you typically don't lose any resolution in the sense that you don't lose any information if you're discretizing with respect to time but you but, lose but for that does the underlying signal have to be periodic yeah, in some no, way no they have to have they have to be band limited as we call them in the sense that what does that mean the, the, if you, you, you can disc, you can decompose most signals into frequency components frequency is essentially linear sum of uh, of sine waves if you will so this is like some something like fourier transform like exactly like fourier transform right. so you can decompose them so the maximum component here is uh, is below some value b right uh, if you can say that that is the bandwidth of the signal i can i can sample in time and lose no information so that's sort of the and you mean that in a strict sense no information yes right. as long long as I can represent the samples that I have accurately as real numbers which God probably didn't make okay um, but but then to, to be able to compute I need to be able to discretize the sample values also that's mm-hmm. when you lose a little bit of information and what we do is that we say okay I'm it's I although technically I lose information the human ear does not is not able to figure out that there was information lost. So in that sense, I probably so didn't lose whatever, 25 or 40 frames. Again, depends on, depends on the fidelity and the sensitivity of, and, and the, and, and the source of that signal and why you're using it and so on. So how, how well you discretize is of course dependent on, on, on that. So, yeah, I mean, to me, the, 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 yeah, the, the interest is more in terms of why did God come into the picture here in this particular part of the conversation? Why did God come into, come in the middle of integers and real numbers? And that was more facetious than, uh, <laughs> than serious. Yeah, sorry. But does mm. it surprise you, Manjunath, that uh, almost all waveforms can be decomposed into... Um, yeah. A series of sinusoidal waves. Uh, yeah, in the beginning, it didn't look natural. I mean, especially because I was not uh, well informed about it. But once the more you think about it, I think it sort of sounded okay, uh, sort of acceptable in some sense that I could. Because in could this kind that. of a construct, and again in a somewhat laymanish way, one can think of the sinusoidal waves as some kind of building blocks. It's, of, a, it's, of a, it's a fundamental waveform in some sense. Yes, it's a fundamental signal that uh, that we use. Kiran, that does this a, surprise you? The the fact that Fourier transform works, the fact that, uh, I know it's not your area, but I'm just trying to tap into your intuition a little bit in this. Um, I mean, in practice, it makes sense that, uh, that, that things should work. I mean, signals somehow in principle, exist in a continuous way, but there are many contexts in which we see them discreetly. I mean, if I take if I take a uh, a musical instrument like a violin, and I, I I I can sort of finger it continuously, but then when I pluck it, I get a discrete collection of overtones coming from that. Right. Um, so, uh, and I guess that that idea uh, gets picked up again in quantum mechanics, in that the the discrete say, levels of electrons in an atom come from some kind of resonant frequencies for the Schrodinger equation. Yeah, they're different orbitals. In some sense exists on some continuous ambient space, but 
this notion of, of resonance frequencies often appears as a as a natural form of discretization. So it's in some sense it's not so surprising. Are all natural signals continuous, Manjunath? And again, I think one At has to start qualifying. That, yeah, the ones everything. that I uh, no, it's not. I, I don't think that's a that's a straightforward answer. But most of the signals that we use appear to be continuous. Uh, but there are you can always come construct signals which are or give examples of signals which are not continuous. For example, if you are just looking at a signal of the presence or absence of an object or presence or absence of a particular event, right? those are definitely, I mean, by definition, they're all discrete. Uh, discrete signals. So they could be signals or, I mean, again, just to go off on the facetious side, uh, the Ajit model of, uh, I, I mean, this is a standard joke that's, that used to go around, <laughs> you know, the signal of on-off and off-on, yeah. you know, those are... Those are discrete signals mm-hmm. that, are, right. that are given out. So, Gene bhi nahi dega, mar ne bhi nahi dega. Uh, that kind of model. That kind of, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, right, yeah. right. So but I this, think... I think, that, I mean, just to just right. to finish the joke, this one was, you know, off off on, off, off on, off on of, of the torch will signal something and on, off, on, off will signal something else. That was, <laughs> that was the original, that's the original joke from, from that. So, yeah. I think yeah. we're getting but into your territory a little bit. Actually, I mean, what was talking yeah. about, it, yeah. it, it's, it's a utilitarian uh, approach yes. right yeah no, absolutely but but we had been really discussing two things basically we had been discussing ontological aspect yes what it is right now the coming back to these reals again mm. well i i would like to raise this question again uh, it was not out of just fun that dedicant tried to um, defined real that way because right. it was not understood really properly mathematically. So he wanted to give some axioms and so on. So he wanted to construct it from something. So that is how mathematics developed. So it was not just very, un, uh, I mean, just for use only. But he, I, I think he, to, to put a slightly provocative and hopefully not too dumb a question here. So Dedekind obviously constructed everything from integers. Now, could he have started from real numbers and constructed everything else up? I mean, are they mutually translatable? Nowadays, mutually nowadays people start, I mean, any textbook now starts from real numbers. I mean, they start with this, uh, what it is, the, the ordered field or uh, something like that. Yeah. So that too is something discrete. Actually, it all started from Cantorian set theory, really. Which is, which because is the point actually made. Cantorian set is the concept of discrete objects put together. Right. That is that is something which you cannot, I mean, by that approach, you can never, my opinion is you can never address continuity. Mm. Because if you depend on the mathematics, which depends on Cantorian set theory, which we do always nowadays, it is a collection of objects, discrete objects. They define, it's a well-defined, uh, discrete, distinct objects. So distinctness is there as an essentiality. When you say distinctness, that means you are discretizing. And you touched upon the notion of time here, the, mm-hmm. a little bit at the beginning, but mm-hmm. does one think of space in a slightly different way? Um, or... I think from the angle of continuity... Uh, is space continuous is, is the most... is the simplest way of asking this question. Is space continuous? Obviously, I mean, it's an you, ontological question. My opinion? Do you want to... Yes, I mean, we want your opinion. opinion. Or, I think you've done a little bit, of, little bit of Shankara in this and that, but... What, what? 
I think it should be considered as continuous. As as they, I mean, the Indians call it Bivu Drabba. Mm-hmm. Bivu is large. Mm-hmm. Onu is small. Anu is like a little and, bit like And uh, middle, Madhyam. So, so they say that all the Madhyam objects, so we have this corresponding English micro, macro and, and, Meso. and, and Meso. the medium. Yeah. So all the medium objects, they generally considered as, as the discrete objects. But the micro and macro objects, even micro objects, they don't consider as 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 uh, discrete. For example, they they say that man, man, mind, mm-hmm. man is discretized, is not discretized. Mm-hmm. There is just one man, but distributed in in in. But in, you're referring to the notion of Brahman. Yeah, it's like that, but you see, it's not my opinion anyway. Yeah, but sure, what I mean sure. to say here is this, that we should perhaps, as he has said, that we should accept both and we should make a kind of passage from discrete to continuous, which was done in a sense by Leibniz. Uh, and yeah. and Kiran, if we think of this notion of very small or very large, is there? Would you does something different happen here again on this discreteness continuity issue, or it's somewhat scale free? All these notions. Uh, no, it's not entirely. For scale example, free. is very small different from very large? Um, of course, it is different in its scale and size, but on this notion of uh, discreteness and continuity, are they? Well, uh, are they differently ordered in some 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 form? Um, well, the the difference comes when you start, as as Mihirda said, you have to consider infinite mm-hmm. sets before you can make the distinction between levels of scale. So the, the so the Dedekind construction requires considering infinite sets of rational numbers, and that's somehow why it was only possible uh, when 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 Dedekind did it, and not earlier than that. Why the Greeks couldn't really pin down how to pass from discrete to continuous. So Archimedes was somehow informally thinking about this passage when he wrote down, say, approximations for the value of pi by considering polygons with regular polygons with many sides. But right. he couldn't uh, formal, formalize that in the in the mathematical logic of that time. So if I can just pick up on what Mihirda was suggesting, that mm. Dedekind's construction necessarily makes the real numbers discrete. Is there something interesting that, that can come out of that statement? I'm, I'm, I'm not able to full, fully comprehend that statement. Perhaps or, it's, it's because, I mean, it has to do with, uh, perhaps it, to go back to the, the beginning of the conversation, Western logic somehow depends on this discretization, I think. I mean, the, the, the Western conception of, uh, of, kind of thought uh, seems to require some, some discretization. Uh, 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 there's an interesting analogy between uh, Western music, Western classical music, and Indian classical music. Western music is discretized; it uses a 12-note scale, but Indian classical music is happy to uh, incorporate the the microtonal information in between those notes. Uh, so I think this goes to a very deep philosophical difference between different systems, and also cultural. Absolutely. And 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 if we if we go to your word, Manjunath, they obviously they're different kinds of senses and you, for example you spoke of the notion of sampling and uh, discretizing space and from a human perspective now if you go to the notion of touch for example um, there are some things that yeah so the, can can I mean, something like that be described if we yeah, just so think of it the, touch is just a so some 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 notion of pressure at least from the yeah. point of view of 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 
technology. I mean, yes. To 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 borrow a phrase, the utilitarian version of touch is basically some kind of a pressure that is applied. Right. And pressure is just a signal, and I can cut. I can just uh, yeah. Pressure is to me is just a signal, and I can treat it exactly like I would treat any other signal. The question only is, am I able to measure it accurately? Am I able to convey it accurately mm-hmm. and reproduce at the other end? I mean, that's the that is the complexity that we have. So where are, where are we on the on, on that engineering aspect? There of are haptic, haptic, ha- haptics is the term that they use to sure. to do that or to 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 sort of capture that that kind of work. But um, it feels like uh, there are some conceptual and practical difficulties there of uh, actually designing things that might. There are. I think there is a significant amount of progress uh, and fairly rapid progress on this. Over the last few years, in the sense that uh, people are able to convey a sense of pressure, people are coming up with mechanisms to sort of do microsurgery or do surgery uh, by remotely sitting here and operating on virtual instruments, and the actual instrument is somewhere else. It's, it's, it's remotely. Uh, sorry, the person that is being operated on is is located remotely, and and the surg- the surgeon is sort of performing or acting in a, in, a, in a different place. I mean that 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 idea is definitely in place uh, mm. people are working towards it and i don't expect it to be very far off mm. in, in terms of full realization of that of that of that dream if you will mm. so so the sense of touch is being conveyed reasonably effectively so of the five senses i think almost except for the sense of smell the other and probably even the sense of taste uh, the other three have been sort of are being teleported if you have to it's possible to word, mm. yeah it's possible to create signals which yeah, trans- so recreate which, them yeah. which 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 yeah, travel so, well in so, yeah so I, I can abstract it can out teleport. at one place i can abstract it one place communicate it to the another place and recreate it there as if uh, as if it was it was it, it and it, and what's the problem with taste what's the problem with i have no idea i don't know <laughs> Right. I don't know. Uh. Right. Right. I think the only other notion I want to bring in here is because you know it, it's whenever you discuss signal, you have to discuss noise, uh, and you have to discuss the presence of noise in some shape or form. Right. Now, right. obviously, if we think of it in diff- terms of different senses or different kinds of systems, does the notion of noise stay in the in the same way? There's something very non-periodic about noise, right? In 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 the, in, in the very way it is. Yeah, noise is supposed to be random. I mean, so. Yes. So and we we right now we roughly know how to handle noise. Mm-hmm. So in the sense that if noise has certain, I mean, noise is also, I think, uh, it has been abstracted out sufficiently for us to be able to get rid of the deleterious effects of noise. For I think example, the other way to put it in the context in which we're having this discussion is that what almost all kinds of noises that we deal with or let's say engineers like you deal with are they all continuous yeah yeah i'm trying to grasp it uh, there is some noise in the communication between us uh, <laughs> so uh, right uh, or rather some loss of fidelity if you will so the, the the noise yeah from the point of view of a communication link if if i were to look at it that way i mean that's typically where we or or even a, extracting a signal from its environment let's just call it that sure so if you're doing that i think noise is typically a analog signal i mean i, I would probably still call it an analog signal uh, in the sense that it's a continuous some value that, some value from a continuous set that is added to it i mean that's probably how i can uh, not okay not necessarily added yeah no i think yeah noise can be much more complicated so is than noise just adding something to a signal i mean is you know, noise things, things, differentiable in the in the mathematical sense, 
Because I, I think the moment you say that it's analog, sure, one gets it. There is some kind of continuity, but it can be continuous and not differentiable, right? Is it? May I just yes. say one yeah. word? But it, it will, uh, a, a little bit of digression, but sure. the noise, the word noise has already come up. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I wanted to say this. Noise is discrete, but silence is continuous. Mm-hmm. Any noise is discrete. That means, in a sense, any sound. Mm-hmm. When I mean noise, I mean sound. Sound. So, so if we, me, if we if we if we if we just convert that notion into speech, or is speech definitely discrete? What kind of waveform is speech? What kind of waveform is whatever? I, I mean, I I would. I mean, from an engine, from a utilitarian and an engineering perspective, I would just call it an analog waveform, which just means that the the value can take on a continuum of, of right. uh, the value of the signal is is is. is but is there something specific or special about speech? About let's let, okay, let's let's narrow no, it further. Is, about yeah, there human is. There speech? are okay. I, I I don't know what which way you mean by speech. Yes, there is something special in the sense that there is some predictability in speech. In the sense that predictability in the structure of the waveform. I mean, again, I'm speaking right. from an engineering point of view. Right. So there's some predictability, which means that you can, you you can guess what the next value is. I mean, I'm using next very very loosely here. Right. Okay. So because of that predictability, um, the the the, I mean, representation of speech can be much more. I mean, and even designing or communication devices can be very, very, can another. be very sophisticated. I mean, in the sense that if I understand how well, I mean, if I understand how the speech is generated, we actually know how speech is generated. Mm-hmm. Okay, we we can actually model that, and and based on that, you can construct models for the signal that you are generating and how how it is actually going to generate, how it is actually produced at, at 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 your end i mean i'm talking of speech and not music right. so now when you when i do that so the the ability to encode i mean i'm again being an engineer here no, that's fine. the ability to, to encode and transmit that can be much more efficient because i understand exactly how speech gets generated and how it can how, and using that i can reconstruct speech on the other side so the efficiency of encoding is much better because of my understanding of that in that sense speech is special from from the point of view of engineering, because I know how it's generated and I can model that reasonably efficiently. Sure. Uh, yes, I mean, maybe one should point out that uh, from the point of view of a, of a linguist, then uh, the, the speech signal is some kind of realization of some, uh, actually some discrete uh, quantity, which is the, the phonemes and uh, that are being strung yeah, together. Yeah, the phonemes, the morphemes, um, everything and, 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 and so the way, the way we perceive speech uh, in some sense, is to discretize it into the phonemes, and then take the phonemes and and parse those into into the underlying words, and then uh, try to translate that into the meaning. But at least at the level of the phonemes, there there's an underlying discrete signal that's somehow being represented by by the analog speech signal. But and, but, but, and the, even if it... but the phonemes in. Can each? I mean, there there is a significant variation in the which in in the way in which these phonemes are produced by different people. So there is the discretization at the level of a phoneme, but the production is is, is probably not as discrete as it sounds. So, yes, this is evidenced uh, by the fact that I'm speaking with an American accent, yeah, and so, the, the others. And are I not. don't know what accent I'm speaking with, but uh, <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. What about so? If you if you if you clearly some kind of an integration of different kinds of discrete parts can create a continuum, right? Yeah, or, I mean, a, 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 
some kind of an infinite series somewhat. Yeah, yeah. So infinite series have been uh, with us in some sense since the time of Archimedes, although more formally, uh, the first infinite series that actually look like that um, appear in the mathematics of Kerala in the 1300s. And then again in, in the West, maybe 200 years later. Um, that's again a passage that, uh, from a from a practical point of view, right? The the Kerala mathematicians were interested in astronomy, so they needed to calculate trigonometric functions very accurately, right? Um, say to ten or even fifteen decimal places, and they needed tools for this. And one of the tools they came up with were these uh, series that they could add more and more terms to them, more and more corrections that would give better and better approximations to the so quantity. There being that more they were discrete parts makes the approximation that much more superior. Exactly. And so but there's something convergent about these kind of infinite series, right? That's right. These the there at the time there was uh, some not entirely formalized intuition that was dictating how to write down these series so that as you add more and more terms, you get more and more accuracy in the in the computation that you're doing. Uh, it took a few hundred years before the mathematics of the likes of Dedekind became available to really formalize that. But it worked quite well at the time. They were able to do uh, very accurate computations with these infinite series. Right. And, and th- I think the other interesting notion, Kiran, which I want to go to and maybe then go to Mihirda, is that if we, again, go back to the question of space, um, and if one tries to think of it from a topological standpoint, um, obviously one, again, somewhat intuitively gets the notion of continuity very easily. But does the notion of discreteness uh, come up or pop up in a manner that is rigorous enough? Uh, one way topological that, standpoint. One way that uh, discreteness comes up in, in the topological viewpoint is instead of considering small-scale uh, shapes, to consider shapes in the large Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, if you consider surfaces, so two-dimensional spaces, but without boundaries, mm-hmm. uh, so something like a sphere, uh, as compared to, say, the surface of an inner tube, uh, a torus, uh, those are distinct topological spaces, and the reason that they're distinct is because there is a discrete quantity associated to them that differentiates them, namely the genus. The sphere the has genus holes, zero, so. it has no holes. Uh, a torus has one hole in the middle, which is not a structure within the space. It's a it's a structure in the large. It's a structure of the of the. It's a gestalt, if you will. It's a structure right. of the entire right. space. And you can likewise have analogs of tori with multiple holes, and those are all distinct from each other. So in in topology, one sees this is so interesting, apply, right? Because you're going from large. some kind of a limitless space, but the discreteness is popping out of this. Do you find this interesting, Mirda? The fact that... It is definitely interesting, but at the same time, I would like to add that Leibniz was against this. I mean, at that time, topology was not there. Right. But he wanted to see the Greek geometry, Mm -hmm. which he considered to be uh, pretty discretized, uh, to be continuous in this following sense. Mm-hmm. Starting from an ellipse, he wanted to arrive at parabola on one side and circle on the other side. So if the two foci of the ellipse right. uh, converge, come closer and closer and ultimately coalesce, right. in that case it becomes turns out to be a circle. Right. And if one of them 
goes to infinity, it turns out to be a parabola. Right. So, f- from the philosophical angle, Leibniz's philosophical angle, he wanted to see all these objects as a continuum. Mm. So, I don't know what would, could, could be in this case, Taurus no, and, 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 and a sphere. I so, think topologically, the yeah. sphere, the parabola and the ellipse would belong to the same class. I mean, I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not rubber sheet entities, so they're different in that sense. They're all in two dimension. But well, the parabola is, uh, if you consider it uh, on its own, the parabola is uh, a one-dimensional space without, um, but it's not, uh, it's not compact. Yes, so it's open. it doesn't have a boundary, but it has some sort of directions that 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 lead infinitely far in some sense. So, so the the story I was I was explaining is actually for compact manifolds without boundary. So there's exactly. a notion of compactness in, in topology that uh, is distinct from the boundary, but it's some way to say that something is it's closed. Is closed. It doesn't have itself. any yeah. uh, missing endpoints. So, for example, the real line is not compact. You can fix that by adding one point, and then you get a space that looks like a circle from the point of view of topology. Yeah, yeah. I think the que- the question is that this Leibnizian example that you took, Mirda, is it possible to carry that same notion to spheres and paraboloid or whatever and can can one do this in 3d you see you know this, what i mean yeah, yeah this this is perhaps possible but you see always as you said karan said you you need a perspective mm. from which perspective you are acting mm. that is very important mm. definitely a a um, an ellipse and a parabola is equivalent from one perspective, but definitely not equivalent from another. From yeah. inside-outside angle, that is also a topological notion. From yeah. inside-outside angle, parabola is, is the same as, as, as ellipse, and circle is the same as the ellipse, but not from the compactness angle. So you have to fix the perspective then. So there is... So what is the lesson? Lesson is this, that you cannot say something is continuous, something is discrete, absolute, in absolute terms. You have to fix a perspective and then only you you, you can uh, say something. So discrete and continuous are relative terms? Is that discreteness or continuous a relative <laughs> property? So are, yes, we, so are we closer to a relativity theory of discreteness and continuous? Well, in topology, one can talk about the notion of whether one set is discrete relative to an ambient set, so yeah. certainly yeah. that is that, that is, is a relative yeah. notion there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I I I can, <laughs> I can say something about uh, uh, the textbook uh, definition of uh, discrete uh, mathematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, discrete mathematics is the study of mathematical structures that are fundamentally discrete. <laughs> <laughs> What textbook is that? That's no, no, it's Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I always have difficulty no, no. with this because I study number theory, which seems to be a discrete uh, subject of mathematics according to the description in, in the sense that integers, by definition, are, are discrete quantities. Um, but we use many continuous tools in number theory. For instance, we study uh, complex analytic functions like modular forms as a way to... Uh, get information about discrete numbers. Or in my research, uh, one uses the the construction of piadic numbers, which is a, a, a variation of the construction of real numbers where you fix some prime number and you use a different distance function 
that measures how close together things are based on divisibility by a particular prime. And that gives you a different type of continuity um, that is often very useful. It's One can write down interesting formulas in terms of piadic numbers that compute uh, the number of solutions to some equation. So number theory is, in principle, a subject of discrete mathematics, but we are not above using continuous tools whenever they are, whenever they're convenient for us. Well, that's so interesting. So even even the integers that that we've spoken about a few times, can they be decomposed? Can they be can they be summations in in a somewhat general way of subcontinuous functions or subdiscrete functions? Uh, so one way that integers can be decomposed is using prime factorization. So that gives a notion of atomic quantities among the integers, which are the primes. Yeah, but um, so how does one handle one is the question. One is, it's not considered prime because uh, you want there to be a theorem that says that every positive integer has a unique representation up to the order of terms as a product of primes. And if you allowed one to be a prime, then two would be both two by itself and two times one, or six would be two times three, but also one times two times three. So in order for that basic theorem to make sense, one has to be treated as not prime. But that that seems more a matter of convention, or is there something more fundamental there? I think the, the you know I what mean, I mean? Well, one is in so some... One is at the level of representation and how you do things, and you have to add another line and say one into so and so, but... What is the nature of one? Well, so from the point of view of multiplication, one has the nature that zero has with respect to addition. So uh, zero in, under addition plays the role of what's called an identity element. You add zero to something else, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't change. So when you conceptualize integers, you start out thinking about positive integers, and then you have to uh, separately add zero as, as, this, uh, as this null object, uh, which makes sense from the point of view of addition, it serves as the identity element, uh, one plays a similar role with respect to multiplication. One is the quantity that when you multiply by something else, it leaves that other thing unchanged. So from the point of view of factorization, one plays the role of a null element. What is one? Mirna? I don't know. I don't know in the true sense. Actually, what we have been di discussing right now, you see, ultimately we are looking for something. Yeah. And that something could be some axioms. Yeah. And piano did that. Yeah. And piano axioms are a few sentences. Yeah. Which are discrete, finitely many sentences. Yeah. <laughs> and he gave a method. Of course, induction principle is there, but induction principle again expressed in a finite sentence. So, um, uh, your question whether a number, whether the whole numbers could be considered as some aggregation of something, one obvious way is that put this mark so many times and just look at that in one Yeah, you can split side. any whole number into n equal parts. Yeah, but you but don't... Then, you then don't, what would part you, be is the no, question. Because you don't know, no. You don't, <laughs> you don't start with the... Uh, you don't start with n. You start with simply one, which I don't know. Hmm. And repeat the process. Yeah. No, that's that's the whole point. That's, that's why there is something 
so tantalizing about what one is i think it's it's totally fine to try and understand that it it serves the identity function and i think one gets that it get, one gets what it does i think the question is so perhaps what, what one is perhaps what kronker should have said is that god created <laughs> one and everything else <laughs> and is everything the work else of man. follows but you also know definitely all of you know that uh, uh, one could uh, uh, write piano axioms in terms of i mean starting from one or starting from zero mm. but they give they are not equivalent in the sense that for zero you have separate axioms for addition and for one similar axioms for multiplication right so the nature of zero although anybody can start from any symbol that's true but one symbol should be different from the other in order to get natural numbers mm. Mm. so that 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 is interesting because you need two different kinds of properties that's that's very important yeah you need zero one or you need yin and yang or you need some yeah, yeah, some yeah, notion yeah, of yeah, yeah, well yeah. you need some notion yin of discreteness yeah, yeah, you need the, the fact that there's yeah. there are things that are different yeah uh, and but, you call one of them zero and one of them one but can i just uh, <laughs> i think express you, my i mean uh, long standing i okay some feeling that's this that uh numbers yeah be the uh, be it uh, this natural kind or say up rationals or reals this is color of that sound that is noise right once you enter into aleph naught right that the first infinity right you are stepping into first silence first step of science right. and then you are higher and higher order of infinities and you are gradually enter into deeper and deeper silence so to me it seems that this domain of numbers which we play which we use in our daily life always is something like color of color of is the word you know perhaps color of color of is the is the, it's not simply noise it is uh making sound to color of color of color of is a sanskrit word mm. uh so you 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 converse for example you make sound to to to, okay. to discuss yeah. with others and right. so on so it is a phonemes sort of yeah so a bunch of phonemes phonemes so that is color of right and then you gradually enter into silence so the first infinity then you deeper and deeper and, and you mean and silence so in a metaphorical way metaphorically or? definitely metaphorically but why and I, why do I you use the notion silence, of silence as opposed to you know because you could, could have said other things because you see you don't have much things to do with that mm-hmm. you do many things with colorable with the, with the with the practical things as you have said you know you, mm-hmm. you 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 do really useful things and once you start with this higher and higher order infinities even mathematicians they don't really uh, are very okay they don't say that it are very useful things so it is similar to being silent okay idealize Sure. i am realizing something my realization i somehow convey to you and that too through silence maybe perhaps some symbols only sure
See, go to your world, Manjunath. Are are analog circuits different from digital circuits? Very of course, much. they are. Yeah, I mean, they one are gets very much. Uh, but I think we, we so the, even, the notions uh, that we're discussing. Yeah, yeah. The analog circuits, you know, construction, uh, constructing an analog circuit is a lot more complex in terms. Why? Of, uh, the, because that's the reason why digital circuits are more yeah, popular so the, and more widely used, uh, and so on. The big but, reason is that reproducing, or rather. Yeah, re- let's assume, just assume that uh, an analog circuit reproduces the input signal identically at the, uh, at the at its output. Let's just assume that take that notion for example, making that making an exact replica of what you got inside or or, or a scaled version of that is not is not easy uh, because the devices themselves add noise as as, right. we, were, uh, as we were saying. So analog earlier. circuits would have analog input and analog output. Yeah, that's typically what we call an analog circuit. So yeah. let's make it more complex. Why so noise? So what does noise do? Why are you okay, not why able does to, noise why does noise happen? Why are you okay, not again. able to create noise cancelling analog circuits and add it to it? Yeah, because sure. noise by definition is something that you don't know what what, what right. actually caused the disturbance. So sure. If you knew if you knew exactly what was causing the disturbance, then it's not noise anymore. And is it only noise or are there it's, other uh, yeah, so there are essentially what we call for example what you do is in an, in any of these circuits, whatever comes in, you want a scaled version of this at the output. Right. Okay. So you just sort of uh, yeah, it, it has it has to just scale up linearly is what we say. Now, this linear scaling, um, the circuits are not always linear. They don't scale linearly. Making a circuit linear is one of the hardest problems in in circuits. In, and in again, just so circuits. that we understand this properly, Manjunath, what do you mean by linear? So, something comes in with an amplitude so, x and you want to make you it 3.2x. Yeah, correct. So, it, it, I want to make it some kx. So, why so, is it difficult? Uh, it, it is because the processes that Okay, so let's let's go a little bit back into the into the circuits world. Sure. So what you're trying to do here is you're trying to control the, the input is controlling the output. Of okay. Course. So there is some something something that happens something the phenomena that happen in the in the circuit. Okay. Like for example, I I need to produce more current at the output yeah. corresponding to the signal. Okay. Yeah. Or meaning, so so that that relationship is not always linear. Making them linear is the hard problem with respect to circuits okay the the uh, the region over which they are linear is also not very easy to control mm-hmm. okay so that's the difficulty comes at the level of building those circuits and do you struggle with just making it up again you struggle with lower voltages you struggle with higher voltages it's, like uh, it's, is this it's, a problem it's, it's a dynamic range that typically causes problems yeah the, it's a dynamic range of these signals that make it more difficult for example if your if your signal is varying let's say between 0 and 1 volt mm. you have your 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 circuit has to operate in that band in mm. that band of 0 to 1 whereas if it has to now start if the signal is varying between 0 and 10 the circuit has to be has to work in a larger band so your so so the fidelity of the circuit has to be over larger intervals so that makes the that problem harder but if we had control inputs does it is it possible to come up with uh, circuits that yeah yeah that's that's exactly what is done so you sort of first of all you ensure that the circuits the the, the dynamic range is limited you ensure that the device that you're using to amplify the signal if that's typically where these are used they are uh, you know they, they operate in they are linear in the region at which the the signal is uh, for the for the values that the signal can take and so on so that's the and for digital circuits of the stream? So digital circuit is simple, right? I mean, essentially you have, either you get a zero or a one, so, and one can be noisy, so I can have a range of values representing one and another completely different, uh, sure. sl- slightly far apart range representing zero, and I'm, I won't lose any fidelity there because if it is 0.5, I'll still call it zero, 
and if it is minus zero point five, I'll still call it zero. So it's okay to yeah, to to course. have noise when it comes out, because I know how to how to, how to take that noise out. I know exactly how to take that noise out. But whereas in an analog circuit, I don't know. So it is not possible. It's it's a it's that not knowing what what is the distortion causes the trouble there. Do you have any intuition on this? Why are we not able to scale analog electrical signals up linearly with ease? I mean, it looks no, no, like it's, the, it's because of the physics of these of these devices. So because and, of the materiality yeah, of it. So, because yeah, the, the, the material characteristics like, of this and so on. That's the that's where we come from. But if you have a, I mean, there math are, there variation are, of that. There are other uh, disciplines in which one does consider uh, digital data to be noisy. I mean, if you think about sending a signal back from. Uh, from a space probe or something, it will often be some corruption uh, in the data, even if it's being sent back uh, as a digital signal, because you can't completely separate the the zero frequency, the the, the spectrum that you call zero from the spectrum you call one. Uh, so there are uh, areas. Uh, I think the of claim is not that, that digital signals are noise free. No, that's no, they're not, not that's noise not free. The they're much much. Simpler more, to much more immune to noise, a hell of right. a lot more immune to noise. For example, I mean, just to take this example, so I would call anything from minus two to plus two as let's say zero, right? And anything from three to seven as as one, yes, correct? Right? And and there is a small gray area in between. So to be able to convert and but actually I actually sent a zero voltage. To be able to convert zero to one, I have to have at least two point two volts or more, uh, and that's usually rare. So the so the noise, the noise there is noise in digital. But that noise is much less. And are there kinds of processes or systems, Manjunath, and we'll end with this because we've been on this for a while, are there kinds of systems or processes where um, analog circuits are distinctly better? Or No, no, I, I would say it this way. They, I need analog circuits for sure mm. because the output of an amplifier is analog. Right, of course. Right? So, so I do so need, there are, there are, I de- I do need I do need an analog component. I cannot do away with analog. Yeah. So analog, I mean, analog, analog circuits are necessary. Right. It's, I don't know if that's what you were asking for. In terms of one is better than the other. No, I don't. Of course, think one, I can, it depends on the function and what yeah, you're trying to do and so on. True. So, one so that I'll, I'll call it necessary, but I can do much better with digital because I can process them. I mean, with, with computerization and all, the processing becomes much simpler and so on. So. Yeah. So why don't we end with this, Mirda? I mean, if we and we'll go go around the table a little bit. So. You know, obviously, we we can talk of different traditions and different schools and say that this school says that the world is discrete, this school says it's continuous, and this is primary and that's primary. When are there are there one or two open puzzles that 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 are central to how one can resolve this? And what's the future like? Can one can one is, do you, do you see this as an open ended question forever, or there is so so the the question most vaguely put and obviously it's very difficult to answer. One totally gets it, almost impossible. Is the world discrete, or is the world continuous, or or is it multi-valued? It doesn't need to be one or the other, right? Maybe there are other things in the middle. Are we are we being a little simplistic by reducing it to one and the other? Um, what's the future likely to be like? And are there one or two questions that this hinges on? See, you have uh, used this word multi-valued. Yeah. Uh, you know that there are now this old, I mean, long history of multi-valued logic is there starting from Lukashevich, who, who wanted to have a third value first, other than true and false. Mm-hmm. And then 
So what 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 would such a third value be? It would be both true and false, neither true, neither false. He, uh, he in his mind it was neither true nor false. Like, okay, but gradually things started uh, okay growing up uh, and. Uh, People and I'll just pause you there for a second. So, are, are these kinds of signals there in real circuits? Neither true, ne- neither true nor false. I don't think so. Not that I. Not that I don't think so. Even in even in analog in, circuits. Even no. in you don't have no, to. I, in analog, you don't call it true or false. Yeah, it's of just course. A value. True and even false is digital it, by its yeah, very by conception. Yeah. yeah. So they have three, more than more than two. Perhaps they will be using more than two values. But each are okay in that case. Discrete values, it doesn't, sure. it, it, it doesn't uh, make it continuous <laughs> in any case. So the modulation, no. modulation of signals over, uh, even if they are digital signals using multiple values, not, not just zero, one, is standard. I mean, that's, that's yeah, standard. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. That is standard. Yeah, sure. But mm-hmm. that is ultimately discretized. It's discretized. Uh, yes. Ultimately discretized. Yes. What is important here is this, I mean, to me, that there should be some time in future when this discretized, actually discretized machine will be continuous. What does that mean? In the true sense. What that does that means mean? they will be using the continuous function, I mean, continuous values. In this case, continuous values means, say, for example, real numbers. Right. So they will be using real numbers in the true sense of the term. Not ex- not approximate. So what we do, you see... In, but why in, should they? I mean, the engineers are concerned about making the circuits work. I mean, they, they're not concerned they, about they, incorporating because, because real numbers. Because you see, what we do in real life, we in real life, we don't... You always discretize. You say, suppose you have a small hole here and you want to put something inside mm-hmm. and you are you you cannot do it because of some, some, some irregularities here. So what you do, you put the thing here and put, take a hammer and just um, give a thud. And, and it, it, it enters. So that is how we live our life. But that doesn't give you the real character, nature of reality. Yeah. If you are really interested to know, quote-unquote, reality, then these things will not do. So my opinion is this, that in reality there are, in fact, gray areas. In fact. So gray areas are gray a matter area. of fact. Uh, they're they're a matter of fact, factual. This is now almost. So, so you, you give yeah. So it, they're real. They're real. Gray is real. Gray is real. So is gray discrete or continuous? Sometimes, <laughs> gray is generally continuous. Gray is generally continuous. So Mihirda, you in a very roundabout way said that the world is continuous. No, partly. Because partly continuous. Is, you cannot do away with. So are there zones, parts? Are, okay, part Some parts. is a very loaded word, but are there? Areas of the world which are continuous and areas of the world which are discrete? Some aspects of the world are continuous and some aspects of the world are... We're talking ontologically here. Ontologically. Again, again not bringing subjectivity, things like perspective. Ontologically. Actually, you see, for example, when they say, I mean, these Indians, they, they when they say that this Dekkal and Akasha, mm-hmm. these three are continuous. They are one. That's why they say they are one. They cannot be divided. Divided. So, so these are. It's there. a little bit like language, right? Because even even in language, the the notion of vague, which is the notion of grey, the way you put it, is a part of language. 
No, 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 no. In a part of, we use a concrete word, discrete word for 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 a great thing. For example, I use good man. Someone is a good person. In that case, this good is is a concrete word. It's a concrete word, but its meaning is yeah. Vague. Meaning meaning is something very different. It's not yeah yeah. So yeah. it is referring to something which is something continuous, and which is something gray. If the zone is not, if the zone is gray, it has to be continuous. So what's That's the my point. okay? So if you flip it the other way, what's the trouble with accepting? It sounds like a totally reasonable thing. The moment you put it, that gray is a part of the world. You uh, see, the problem is what that would the opposition if, to such a opposition, such a opposition is that if you want to get it mathematized. You struggle. So you you have difficulty. Oh, what do you care? And you have to incorporate gray into all all your math. What what's the problem with that? Uh, well, I guess the way that I tend to see it is that the, perhaps it is the case that the the world is uh, is gray as it exists, but the way we perceive it perhaps in, is what's in, inducing the the discreteness. We're perceiving discrete things. So maybe the real uh, thing we need to know in order to settle these questions is where does discreteness appear in in the mind where and this we need to understand better how the mind works shall i where does discreteness appear in the mind mind yeah or how well, it doesn't matter but I, it, it's but a cognition question shall i shall i just yes, point here because mind i i wanted to see uh, to me it seems that now because of this digital uh, digitalization sure. mind is gradually becoming more and more discrete human mind and i i, I need lot of uh, i mean a full lecture to to explain this but let, let we don't have time now so this is one s- statement the second statement is this thought is thought is a function of mind this is generally discrete on the other hand imagination is continuous essentially continuous so more and more we are digitalizing our mind imagination part of our mind is gradually shrinking this is my you know um, no, that's I, fine. i'm I scared of it's of, a of way it. of interpreting I'm, this what is the difficulty with if we don't bring the mind in and you know you mentioned a while ago kiran that math is supposed to have the slightly extra human existence um and in, in, in the logic the ideas they kind of stay is there a problem with trying to incorporate the so called notion of gray because i i don't fully understand what mihir das says when he very when he says that it's the mathematization which is the problem What do you mean when you say that, Mehrda? That why? What Mathemati- do you mean? Mathematics is extensional. Again, I I'm using another word. Hmm. Extensional means you don't make difference between, say, morning star and evening star. You don't make a difference between the uh, founder of Shanti Niketan and writer of Kitanjali. Right. Because they are the same person. Right. For mathematics, it is enough. Right. so but if you want to enter into the intention that is what it is i mean what is the, the sense what is the sense right. that is you know the freudian notion of sense hegel's yeah. notion yeah. of sense yeah so 
if you want to include that sense comes in here you know whenever you 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 uh, enter into the gray area sense takes a very important role and mathematics at present i mean the current state of mathematics cannot really handle it yeah. fuzzy set theory is trying but but still fuzzy set theory is broadly within the uh, classical framework Uh, it, it is not uh, yeah yeah so yeah. even even in uh yeah with in in conventional mathematics we 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 start to encounter this uh nowadays that uh notions of simply uh considering whether or not two things are equal is somehow not enough to capture a lot of the mathematics that people want to do now so mm -hmm. uh people are thinking very deeply about um Notion, higher notions of Equality what it means to, for things to be yeah. equal. And this leads you to notions of what's called higher category theory, where you don't just keep track of whether two things are equal, but in what way are they considered to And be equal. And no, here, yeah, so use the word way in the same sense as you use the word sense. In what sense are they equal? Yeah, and that, equal? those yeah. ways actually can be translated into paths in some sense. The way that you relate two things to be equal translates into some path between one and the other in some sure. uh, some ambient uh, place. Um, so What do you mean by path? I, I, I kind of get it, but is, 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 there a, is there a small example that, that makes this apparent? Um, I think it would be a bit too technical to, sure. to get into this, but uh, um, I mean, in general, mathematical objects... Certain mathematical objects, like the integers, there's no ambiguity about if you have two copies of the integers, it's clear what it means that they're the same. They have the, 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 zero, the, the two notions of zero should be the same, the two notions of one should be the same, because those have special roles as we discussed earlier, and then you can iron out, uh, that tells you which, the twos must be the same because one plus one should be equal to two in both places. But for more rich mathematical objects, for example, Uh, if you consider, instead of the real numbers, you consider the complex numbers. Mm. To get the complex numbers from the real numbers, you have to add this extra number i, which is the square root of minus one. Yeah. However, minus i is also a square root of minus one. Yeah. So which one, is the, which one is the plus i, which one is the minus i? That's an arbitrary choice that, that is somehow being made. And mathematics is full of these arbitrary choices that happen along the way. And what what foundation what what's being discovered in the foundations these days and not just for for pure thought purposes but really in order to do the mathematics that people are trying to do is that you need to be more careful about keeping track of these arbitrary choices and not just keep, uh, declare that things are equal or not equal but really keep track of this and and uh different uh, new forms of mathematical logic are actually being developed i don't work on this but Uh, there's what's notion of what's called homotopy type theory right, that's that's evolving nowadays as a way to try to incorporate this these kind of resolution of ambiguities into the fabric of mathematical logic. And so, what's the future like? Is that is that is that progressing rapidly and fast? And does it look like a tractable problem to 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 incorporate sense in these notions of ambiguity, as you put it? Um, well, so far it seems very difficult, but. Uh, this is a relatively young subject, so perhaps uh, maybe it needs more time. But uh, there are the the impetus for this is, in fact, to deal with 
questions of deciding whether or not some very complicated piece of mathematics is correct or not, because this turns out to be <laughs> a very difficult problem mm. uh, in many cases. Uh, you have some very difficult proof of some theorem. How do you actually decide whether or not this proof is correct? Um, one needs some tools for this. Uh, simply looking and using the human brain without any tools seems to have run into more or less its, uh, its limit. Uh, and in order to be able to develop some, some tools to assist with this, we need to understand better um, how to, uh, to solidify What's the future, Manjunath? What's the future from your standpoint? What's the future of... Uh, <laughs> the future is digital. The future is digital. The future is discreet. The future is discreet. And future is so continuous. I just want to sort of bring in a utilitarian concept. The future is that continuous. Let me, let me just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, continuous. Without, without going to continuity, future will be doomed. <laughs> reason let me tell you because uh, it is a question to you I mean not put to you not question see there are many things which human brain do mm. which an, which human brain can do which a, at present computer cannot right that's fine I present don't think day. he's valid that's, for computers I, okay. I don't think you should <laughs> okay now oh, I mean one one such thing is to understand ambiguous instructions, ambiguous linguistic instructions. Yeah. Yeah. And that should be, I mean, the, the if computer science as science uh, is to proceed further, actually it has a model. The model is this. The human brain is the model. What we can do, what computer cannot do now but human brain can do. I think that's a question for a computer scientist, but even if you think of it at the level of circuitry or try to maybe carry it to your world a little bit. I mean, there is very little that, I mean, there is significant, okay, I wouldn't say there is very little that the computer cannot do, but there's a hell of a lot that the computer has been able to catch up with respect to what the average human is doing. There are always outliers which we are not able to, right. the computers are not able to match, but a significant fraction of what the average human is able to do is being uh, is being done by computers. But the other point I wanted to make with respect to the discretization of the mind, I think, I, I'm not sure in what context you mentioned it, uh, but in some sense, isn't that what's happening in the society in some sense? I mean, like, almost everything that I that I have to look at, you know, I have a choice of three or yeah, four yeah, and yeah. I have to just take a choice and right. you know, even categorization, you know, take whatever application that we are using. Almost like everywhere it is, it is now discretization. It is so like your digital circuits. They, it it's seems a, to be a more efficient like way it's of... A, uh, it's a no, hell of a lot more like efficient. I, I'll not agree. Yeah. Actually, it is more uh, yeah. efficient, but efficiency is something which is pragmatics. Sure. It is pragmatics. It's I'm, not life. Sure. It's pragmatics. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's not life. I agree, it's not but life. Uh, because Anand, you have to live happily. <laughs> it doesn't give you happiness, after all. Yeah, you, you should be very uh, no. So so so, uh, if you want to get rid of it, actually, it all started, I think, from in a sense, set theory, right? In in mathematics, and capitalism in society. <laughs> So both these are in a sense related to each other, related to each other because capitalistic human is is individuals. Discretized. So discretized individual and the state. Okay, let's say nation state. So nation state there and discretized individual here. Nothing in between. Society gone, community gone, 
So I was person, expecting an axolite comment and I got it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so so this this is this is the place where we are going and gradually leading to but that is a hope. Now there are other things. Yeah. Now there are other things, other 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 phenomena coming up. Such as such as say feminists. Sure. Such as say environmentalists. Sure. Such as say people who want to live together sure again the community rights are coming up sure so community rights over the forests sure these are coming uh, as issues nowadays so i think now community means continuous good i think that's a good note to end this on thanks to all of you for making it and look forward to having you soon again thank you take care thank you thank you